Okay, producer Mari, this is it. We made it. We made it to the one year mark. Can you believe it? I am still like pinching myself because it's, I can't believe it's a year already. And if people knew <laughs> how ghetto fabulous we are in all of our recording and all of our editing, I mean, people can't see this, but I was right before we started recording this, I said, oh, I love your studio. And then you told me how you made it. Just, just give us the visual producer Madi for where you are recording this from right now. Well, visual. Okay. So I am at a parking lot travel stop parking lot somewhere in Tennessee. I think it's Chattanooga today. <laughs> and I am in our travel trailer. It's a camper trailer with my makeshift studio, which is a travel phone box for the mic <laughs> and a trifold with glued on foam behind me because I didn't have time to get you know, the actual acoustic foam. So you I just bought we make it. We make it happen. Make it. I'm surrounding yes. myself with pillows and blankets right now to absorb audio. So we're so ghetto, but we still here, <laughs> folks. Happy here. birthday to we're going there. Yes. This is a special episode because we hit the one year mark. And I just want to take a moment while podcast listeners are listening to honor you and to thank you. People don't know what you have sacrificed to make this show happen. And yes, God gave me this heart and vision to do this, but it wouldn't have happened without you. And so thank you for all of your hard work. I love and appreciate you. So this is what we want to do with this episode. We're going to try to keep this episode as short as possible, but it's two Latino women who love to talk and talk fast and are both Puerto Rican. So like bless our hearts. <laughs> We're going to get through this as quickly as possible, but I want to celebrate. We don't ever pause and celebrate enough about the faithfulness of God. And so we have pulled three of our favorite episodes, and we are going to pull clips about how some of this has impacted the listeners. So you get emails from listeners. I get DMs from listeners. The first one, which far and away, drum roll, please. Mari, what was the number one podcast in We're Going There history? In our one year of our history, what was the number one podcast? Number one podcast is Freak in the Sheets with Mike Todd. That's right. Pastor Mike comes through. Y'all are some freaky diggy people because Mari, our singles, our single episodes, our sex episodes, the sex episodes, they're always the highest ranking ones. But they Pastor are. Mike's episode was so good. And we went back and we were listening to episodes and like, why, why were some of these the top ones? I realized is that Pastor Mike gave us amazing content that wasn't just about sex and singleness and dating. He gave us great content on purpose. And so yes. I'm, I pulled a, I pulled a couple of clips that I want to walk through with you, but so much of where him stepping into his purpose came out of a place of obedience. So here's two clips that you cinched together to, for him talking about being ready to be used. So being ready to be in position and how that being in position will lead you to your purpose. Let's listen to that clip. It was so funny. Like and I just tell people this all the time, that saying yes to whatever God has in front of you at the moment will produce your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not saying yes to what you think you want. It's saying yes to whatever God puts in front of you. And um, he had put in front of me this opportunity to serve at this church and run sound because um, that's what I was good at, doing music, producing, running sound, all that other stuff. And the craziest story ensues there where I go from running sound to becoming uh, a over the music, a music director at that church. To then my parents started a church called Spirit um, and Truth Praise and Worship Center where you could get saved just on the name. Like you can't you, you be. So like you, you, you know. And they started that church. I didn't go for the first eight months because I was like, y'all are 50 something, 
started in church. This don't make no sense. And it's on Sunday night. That's when the game is on. I'm just not going to be a part of that. I love you, though. And then one day I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to go help your parents with the music at least. So I start going and helping my parents on Sunday nights with the music. And um, then my mom comes up to me in this real, like, pastorly prophetic voice and it's like you're supposed to do something with the youth i was like you have four other sons one of them can do something with the youth i'm about to move to la or new york i'm about to go i'm about to marry natalie and i'm out of here and um but it was mama so i said well i'm gonna do something with the youth there's only seven people that come to this church anyway and so we started the youth group that next week with seven young people and three of them were my brothers and a god brother a god sister and a random person like and it was one of those things that we're in there and i said um right before i walked in i felt so strongly that god told me four things he said be real tell on yourself don't judge them and love them first mm. that's it that was my introduction into ministry be real judge don't judge them tell yourself and love them first and it's so crazy that those things still ring true to my ministry today yeah. but at that point i didn't take it seriously i didn't know anything i would just get in there and just try to give them good points and mcgee and me scriptures and stories <laughs> like i was just trying to make it happen because i didn't think it was anything serious i'm leading the music at this church working with the youth on sunday nights at my parents church and then um in a staff meeting one day, I was like, man, my parents and this pastor, they need to come together. That would be really good. So I said it. And they were like, nah, that'll never work. Three months later, I said it again. And they were like, well, maybe. The church is merged. Okay? So I'm setting my own trap right now. The church is merged. And I end up doing the youth at Greenwood Christian Center as well. And the first day we did Soul Fly, Sold Out Free Life Youth was what the name of our youth group was. And our mascot was a fly. So um, looking hindsight, we could have done better. But at the time, it was It was so fresh. Lit. It was good. It was so good. And, um, and once that happened, um, the first day we did Soul Fly, 500 young people showed up. Wow. And it was like, what in the world is going on? And from there, that's where I learned, I, I practice, I really want to send a pair of Yeezys to every student that was a part of my youth ministry because I was horrible. Like we had five hour messages. I was saying all kinds of stuff, but it was so cool how God gave me an opportunity to grow there. And I went from the youth pastor of that church to the executive pastor and the executive pastor to the lead pastor in five years. And I don't know, like literally telling the story, I don't know how it happened, but all I can tell you is there was a supernatural grace that came over me and my wife Natalie's life when I became the lead pastor on February 1st, 2015. And since then, I mean, we took over Transformation Church, the name of the church changed, and um, we took over with about 300 people who were all just sitting like, mm, let's see how they, they had the, what face was that? Tara de Fucci. <laughs> They were all carapuchis on me. And they were like, and um, I just started really working on loving people and those four yeah. things, being real, telling on myself, not judging people and loving them first. And I don't know how this happened, Bianca. Like I am a regular dude from Tulsa, Oklahoma with no, with six months of community college education, like, and God um, I gave him my yes, and it's turned into me helping people transform their lives. So I'm just super grateful. 
I don't put myself in culture. God does. Mm. Like, and that's the thing that people don't understand. People's goal is culture a lot of times. And that's just where I end up. I never asked to be on the shade room. They put me on there. I never, I didn't call the breakfast club. They called me. And that's where you go back to making sure that you're ready in season and out of season. That means when I, even when I'm preaching, I know that we have everybody from celebrities and politicians watching to people who just got laid off their jobs and church mothers. So when God gives me that platform, I didn't ask those people to watch. God gave me that platform. So when he puts me on the platform, when I know there are people who are atheists and I know that there are people who have been saved all their life, that's the platform he gave me. And so I make sure, and this is so good. Jesus always did it. If you study the scriptures, he always talked to his audience. He never excluded that Zacchaeus. The, what did he do to Zacchaeus? Who was a, 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 a tax collector. He was somebody who was bad for the culture. He, the church wouldn't have nothing to do with him. He said, I'm coming to eat dinner at your house. I see you. I understand what you're doing. I want to get to know you more. And so he, Jesus, put himself, literal Christ, in the middle of culture, in Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus didn't invite him over. He invited himself over. I'm eating at your table tonight. Make sure you got some chicken. Make sure you got some rice. Make sure you got some, like, do you understand what I'm saying? And I think for, for, for all believers, the goal shouldn't be to try to get seen by somebody who's unsaved. The goal is to be ready and so kingdom-minded. And you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that God wants you to do will be added. And that's what happened for me, um, B. I just literally was making sure I was um, doing those four things, loving people, telling on myself, and, and not judging them, loving them first, like all of those things. And then God's like, okay, I can trust you with this platform. Oh, I can give you this. And all I do is represent or represent him in that space. And um, I think that's, that's why, I mean, I may not be doing a good job at even articulating it, but that's all I try to do is make sure whenever God places me somewhere, I'm fully representing him. What if I told you that the idea of you can be anything you want to be isn't totally true? In their new book, On Purpose, Discover Your Calling and Create the Life You Were Meant to Live, Dr. Stephanie Shackelford and Bill Denzel break down common myths about calling to reveal the truth. Instead of you could be anything you want to be, they show that your context shapes your calling. With intentionality and for his purposes, God has placed you in a specific location, situation, and time in history. If you need a way forward through your career change or trying to discern any career at all, you can pick up your copy of On Purpose. When you pre-order before September 28th, you can claim pre-order bonuses that include a free audiobook of you on purpose, a group discussion guide, and more. Pre-order the book from Amazon or wherever you get your books. Then head to barna.com backslash you on purpose to claim your pre-order bonuses. Mari, the second episode that I just feel like we need to pay attention to is hilarious because it wasn't because it was like so amazing, though the content was. I remember it because it was one of my podcast blunders. Mari, do you know which podcast I'm referring to and why I'm mortified that it was in our season one series? Yes, Bianca, it was adulting with Bob Goff. Mari, I, I am <laughs> so mortified. I'm so mortified. The audio for this podcast was so bad. It was it was trash. It was so bad that we actually had to re-record a second episode. But I just loved his content so much that I was like, you know what? 
it is what it is. The audio is horrible. I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't even know if we're going to ca- carry on another season of this podcast. So we're going to put it up anyways. Madi, not only was the audio horrible, I actually, I have a clip. We're going to listen to a clip in a second, but I even got my own podcast name wrong. The title of our podcast is We're Going There. And I said, yeah, Bob, the title of the podcast is Let's Go There. I yes. bless my heart <laughs> on all levels. Why don't we go ahead and bless listen? your pee peeking heart. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, one of the things that I love that he said, I asked him about fear of failing. And sometimes when we get into adulthood, we don't want to take those risks. And there's this line and I ha- we're going to share it. Here's the clip. But he says, don't tell people what to do. Tell them who they are. And I think he lives out this principle so beautifully. And so let's listen to that clip. And coming out of it, we'll talk about one of my favorite Bob Goff memories. This, t- this podcast is entitled Let's Go There. And so most people don't know this part of our story, but uh Goodness. Now, I think like six years ago, Matt was transitioning out of a job that he had for 13 years and he just felt like it was his identity. It was his call. We spoke, you spoke about calling and, and he just felt like really confused. And on a whim, I said, I wonder, I wonder what would it be like if you called Bob? Like WWBD, what would Bob do? Yeah. <laughs> and Bob, I'm just, for those that are listening, and it, it was a year, it was several years ago. I'm not too sure you remember, but I wrote, wrote this down. You said, just show up, go try things. And what people don't know is that we actually took money out of, I'm emotional thinking about it, out of our savings because Matt really felt like he was called to help churches thrive and develop in Europe. And we took all of our savings at the time and we said, Matt, you can go to Europe five times and you're just going to show up. And he's like, what am I going to do? I said, I don't know. Bob said, show up. So you're going to show up. Bob, I don't even know if you know the fullness of this, but Matt was able to go to Europe, not five times. We could afford five times. He went over 25 times in two years. He met with thousands of church leaders. And guess what? Every amount, every dollar that we invested into that, it came back a double fold. Now, I'm not saying go out and do crazy things and you're going to get a double in return, but you you dared us to be crazy and reckless and just show up that childlike wonder. And so right now, there's so much going on with like COVID and people are losing jobs. Bob, I hear all the time, I've lost my job or, you know, this is causing marital strife. This is affecting me on so many levels. So for people that are like losing their jobs or they're at an impasse or maybe like Matt yeah, six years ago when he had to kind of rethink everything everything for his personal life. What do you tell them in this crazy season? Yeah. Part of it is to just pause and just kind of hover over that for a second. Like the pain that surrounds so many people's lives right now, that the pain as a society that we're incurring, the, the, the regret, the resistance, the, all of that, and just hover over that for a second, instead of having opinions about it, just, I just want to be like in it with they just kind of sit in that. I don't need to be stuck in that, but to just sit in that to say, boy, my role in this would be student, not teacher. And so as we start seeing ourselves more in that role, I know the magnificent work you're doing in uh, in prisons, that you're more student than teacher. If we could say those kinds of things, you haven't, when you're turned uh, 15 and a half, in high school, you get a student driver like banner on the top of the car, <laughs> and you yes. just you know go a student driver. When I uh, I, I get a place that I uh, go to, and you can only get there by seaplane, 
And so when I'm talking on the radio, I tell the tower I'm a student pilot. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> They're nicer to me. And I think there's something beautiful about finding a, a safer harbor because it's a right harbor to be in to just say, I'm a student of these things. And so if, if you're in the middle of the crisis, it just felt like whether your marriage feels like you're just roommates, it's very transactional, or you're in the middle of a, a big riff and you feel like you're going in different directions. If you can just go above the patient to the top of the operating room, look down at the patient, which is your marriage, your relationship, your job, your pain, and uh, see what it is that's going on. Then once you see it, you can start understanding it. And once you understand it, you can start fixing it. What we try to do is start fixing it. We start with a, mm. this is the fix. And I just want to uh, just go back to student driver to say, hey, is there more I need to understand? But I don't want to get caught in this eddy of just informing myself. I want to actually go do something. I want some skin in the game. What keeps us away is that we're just afraid. I mean, it was like, it's the story of a Peter who also jumped out of a boat. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he saw the wind. And sometimes it's seeing these things. It'll like keep you out of the water because you just be like, or start just sinking because you see the wind. For me, it was, I didn't see the wind. <laughs> I the and then the wind came up. I'm like, oh, dang. So, whether the information comes in advance and you're a little afraid of it, or like me, you're uh, gathering it along the way in your life experiences, what I want to do is to say, how can we now deal with that? How can you have a really painful uh, and important conversation with somebody to say, man, I do not, I'm just a student driver on this thing. Uh, but here's an observation. Uh, instead of telling people your opinions, to just say, this is what I've experienced. This was one of my favorite clips of, of the episode, Bianca. And, you know, your interview with Bob was so natural. And even him answering the phone and talking to one of the listeners, that was amazing. The number one hesitation and reservation that I hear when I'm talking to people, um, whether they are 20 something just trying to figure out life, especially as the topic, you know, is, is adulting. This is like this, this transitional moment of stepping into a heightened level of responsibility, um, losing the dependency on parents or those in their 30s and 40s, maybe even 50s who are experiencing kind of like this do over and the hesitation with maybe um, being childlike in wonder is this heightened level of responsibility because it's like, Hey, someone has to pay the bills. So for those that are listening and thinking like, well, I'm glad that works for Bob. What's the remedy that you would suggest for someone that thinks like, well, that works for you. So almost kind of like your, your whim, your whimsy and your wonder feels almost like a luxury. So for those that feel like it's not for them, what would you tell them? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Uh, remember when you were a kid and your teacher said, keep your eyes on your own paper? <laughs> <laughs> that still applies. Like, did we just see the comparison is such a punk? It'll be so if what happens, you're looking at the other people and you're like, well, yeah, easy for you if. Um, and I totally get that. Um, uh, however, I just keep like kind of tend to your own fire, just kind of mm. blow on those embers keep that one going to say, what's my next courageous move? Uh, what will that be? And so uh, sometimes it's just understanding what your ambitions are and uh, uh, to understand three things like, uh, like, what do you want? Why do you want it? And then decide what you're going to do about it. And so just thinking about that. So that's a question I pose to 
uh, quite a few people. Uh, and so we could pose that question to somebody in Washington, DC. We actually got the Department of Labor together. <laughs> No, you didn't. Please tell me everything. I love your stories. Let's go through. Like, so what do you want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do about it? Uh, The next week I was in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan. We invited 170 Afghan leaders to come from all the warring provinces, meet me in Kabul and ask the same questions. What do you want? Why do you want it? And what are you going to do about it? And it was going awesome at the Dream Big thing until day two when the secret police of Afghanistan raided the conference. Stop (laughs) it. It was going so great until it wasn't. But I think these are great questions to ask. And if you ask those questions, you're going to be misunderstood, as I was. Um, You will have some pushback. You are either going to see the wind or not see the wind. Um, but you'll find a little pushback, but don't take this as this sign from God because you got a little pushback. But one of the things in our faith community I'm going to lose is this idea that like, God closed the door on me. I mean, like, I, I, if it's a hard no, that's fine. But I'm like, you just I shoot the locks off. Just get that thing open. You've had an ambition. It squares with everything you've ever wanted for your life. It's good. It's right. If faith is a big deal for you, it's like Matthew 25, hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, people in jail. And then you ask Billy if you can have the job and he says no. And you say, God, shut the door. Billy said, no, that's the entire transaction. Mm. Get back to building that rocket ship. And so some of us, we had this uh, winsome ambition when we were younger, and then we gave up because something got really wonky. I'm just going to answer this so you know my life. I love it. Go. Hello, it's Bob here. Hey, Bob, this is Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, I'm just talking to a friend right now, but call me back in 45 minutes and I'll talk to you. All right, man. See ya. 100 a day. So one of the things that I've tried to do is just be incredibly available and it doesn't cost a nickel. It'll cost you a minute, but it won't cost you a dime. Mm. And I think there's, what if you pick an ambition, like just the beauty of being available. All you have to do is not send a guy named Jeremy to voicemail. And just like, it just makes him feel uh, validated. It makes me like, that's what I want to be. And, and there's nothing, that's the whole transaction right there. And then to take a genuine interest in people. I think that's where I felt like lifted up. You've taken a genuine interest in me. Matt has taken a genuine interest in me. Countless people haven't. And I just want to forget paying it forward. I just want to be doing what Jesus did with people. He just stopped and he took a genuine interest in them. And that doesn't make me Jesus. It just makes me like him in this small way. Hey friends, interrupting the podcast with a special update. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join millions of people who are seeing what therapy really is about. See if it's for you, because you're your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com WGT. 
That's better. H E L P.com slash W G T. You know, clearly we have a large audience of single people because our single podcasts, they go gangbusters, which I was very excited about. So I, you vetoed me and I'm sure my mom, mother Millie would have vetoed me too, but I invited Kat and Kate to be part of this. And all three of us, were going to have a conversation on singleness and sexuality. I wanted to call the episode menage a trois. I got vetoed. Okay. I get it. I get it. Just everybody. Thank God for Madi and having a great <laughs> sense of responsibility and Christianity. Uh, but I was so excited because here are two single women in their thirties and they are talking about topics that are really hard within specifically singleness and Christianity. One of my favorite clips was Kate talking about how Oh, so much of our mindset in dating has shifted and how we need to just not become victims of our circumstances, especially we shot this during COVID and we were clearly, it was heavy lockdown and I love their perspective on singleness and dating. This is a longer clip, but I think it's important. And I love being able to have a conversation, real talk and literally us going there when it comes to this topic. I am passionate about healthy relationships. I am passionate about people stepping into conflict resolution with a great sense of self-awareness and taking risks and going on dates. But I think it's easy for me to say because I've been married now for 10 years. So my perspective and my voice and my lens is changing, still passionate, but then at some point, you know, when you're out of the game for a minute, it's different. And so you guys are both single. You guys are both pursuing dating and or actively dating. So I'm asking almost kind of like, as a dating coach, as someone who talks about dating, and then also someone who is single, give me the perspective. What are you hearing from others? Cause you all are talking to so many single women. Give me a pulse. Kat, you're in New York. Kate, you are in LA. You guys both live into very large cities. And so what is dating like for you guys? And then also what are some, what's the, the, the chatter and the din of the conversations that you guys are having with other women about dating? Uh, yeah, I would say right now there's been a real, and I get it. There's a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache. And I went through a breakup in the last year. And I feel like a breakup in COVID is the worst time to go through a breakup because during my breakup, I lost my boyfriend who I saw continuously for most of COVID. And the same week, my roommate, who was one of my best friends also moved out. So I went Ooh. from like two people that I saw continuously for eight months in COVID to nobody. <laughs> to literally crickets in my home. And it was really hard. Loneliness is real. And, and it's really easy to get lost behind a screen. Um, also with, with, uh, I think online dating and the way people are interacting right now, we can so like dehumanize people really quickly online. And so there's been a lot of disappointment, a lot of people really worn out, feeling completely hope hopeless, giving up on their dating lives. And just like, I'm not even going to try online dating sucks. Dating sucks. Like I'm just until the pandemic, is fully, fully, fully over. I'm not even going to try. And mm. that's probably the most, what I've heard the most. And I get it. After my breakup, I felt so lonely. I was like, I don't want to go online. Um, and so it was, I, I understand feeling the loneliness. I think for me, where, you know, we can be defined by the situation or we can see it as an opportunity to try something different. And so I, I, that's what I try to encourage people in. Like, I get that the pandemic has been hard. It's been incredibly lonely. There's been a rise of mental health issues. And I, I so understand that. And I see that I have compassion for that. 
And I also like on the other side, I'm like, Hey, we also cannot be a victim to our negative mindsets and to the place that we're in right now. And so, so many people, especially, you know, the women I'm coaching in my inbox are like, I'm just completely hopeless. And there's no guy ever that's going to be out there for me. And online dating is not my way to meet a guy and that's it. And I'm like, if that's your mentality, you won't find someone, you mm -hmm. know, if, if that's what you're walking in, then yeah, you don't get online because online won't work for you. The first mm -hmm. guy you see that goes to you or that isn't great, you will be turned off entirely and it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think, yes, let's acknowledge that it's been a disappointing, hard, lonely season and that we have the ability to transform our mindset within that and taking healthy steps to shake things up and kind of see this as an opportunity to maybe approach both our singleness and dating in a new way. Mm, so. I love that. I love that. Kat, talk to me. So good, Kate. Yeah. And man, I just resonate so much with the mindset and I, I, yeah, the mindset stuff is so, so powerful. You know, scripture says, take every thought captive. I'm like, they knew that like our minds are powerful. So thank you Bible for being awesome. So, you know, pre pandemic living in New York city, there are millions of people here, right? And and being a part of church community, I am a part of a church here in New York where it's 80% single people. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like, we're not in a college town and it's 80% single people and everyone's 19. We're like, okay, 80% of the people are single and in their 30s and their 40s working at JP Morgan and Deloitte and, you know, successful single people. And it, not everyone works at JP Morgan, but it's like the finance center. It's like finance and fashion center of the world, or maybe just the United States. I don't know. Um, you're gonna have to fact check me on that. But so what was interesting is just being a part of church prior to COVID and feeling like, man, 80% of the people are single here. What's the breakdown? Why? Mm -hmm aren't we dating each other and seeing kind of pre COVID. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a Y person and I'm the person who will ask the uncomfortable question, the elephant in the room. So I go up to my guy friends. I'm like, Hey, just, we, I saw you on hinge bumble. Why doesn't say you're a Christian? So, <laughs> Oh, well, you know, Oh, I don't want to lead with that. And finding man, all these guys I go to church with are also not saying they're Christians online. Like what's up with that. And then asking these same guys, like, why aren't you asking any of us out? <laughs> And finding wow. this pattern of guys not wanting to ask girls out in their own church community and mm -hmm. realizing. Wait, time after, out. You can't leave me on a cliffhanger. I feel like my <laughs> manicured hands are on a cliff right now. So yeah. wait, so when you called this person out or the, these guys that you're in community with and saying, hey, why aren't you asking any of these girls out? What did they say? Because as a church leader at the father's house, I'm seeing all these like single guys. And here's the thing. I'm, I am like very proactive about it. I'm like, yo, look at it's You're not in a famine, baby. You're in a feast. Yes, you have like on. legions of women here. Like let's, let's Woo. make this happen. So there's relationships that are blossoming in our church, which I'm really excited oh. about. But when you called you this guy out, what did he say? And it's not, I didn't just call a guy out. Like, this is like me talking. I'm like, I've literally had like I can panel discussion, round yes. table discussions. With my Wait, so, friends. so put it in a nutshell. And What's the nutshell is Christian girls put too much pressure on dating. Christian girls put too much pressure on dating Hello. and there's girl code in the church. So Ooh, he asks yep. you out and then it doesn't work out with you. And then he goes on a date with another person and all yep. of a sudden he's a player mm. and girl, a girl is like, well, no, it's like girls are acting as though like I own him or I'm entitled totally. to him. Totally. So he can't ask anyone if I can't go out with him. No one can. Yep. And then it's like, Oh wow. Well, now all the girls are uncomfortable because it's like, well, you know, 
so-and-so dated him. So he's off limits to everyone. And that's, that's not fair. Like you know what not, I say to that is what? that people aren't property. And That's I think gone. that we have like this, exactly. you know, when a dog urinates on a fire hydrant, it's it's their it's fire that. hydrant. We're yeah. treating people the same way. And yeah. I worked for an anti-human trafficking organization. And that's like a big trigger for me. Like mm-hmm. people yeah. are not property. You could have dated them, but you didn't marry them. So move on. Yeah. And they didn't marry yeah. you. And we just have to be mature. One of my favorite things about having conversations about dating in a place that is just natural conversation is that it removes the stigma that we can't talk about certain things. One of the things that I love talking specifically to Kat about is sexuality and sexual urges. You know, so much of church culture is, and and rightfully so, it's biblical that we abstain from sexual relations outside of marriage. But what do we do with sexual urges? I love how honest Kat was about sex and sexuality. Do you remember that episode? I do. I do. And, you know, one of the things that I pray a lot for is for my own kids. I have two kids in their early twenties to find godly partners. And as a mom, I, that's all I can do. I pray that they're pure sexually. I pray that they find the the partner that God has for them, but yeah, I know it's a struggle and, and I love what Kat and Kate had to bring to the podcast. I love that. And you know what? Kat gave this beautiful definition of sex is two people coming together with the intention of creation and how her pastor walked her through two people can come together in non-sexual ways to create something and, and that can satiate urges and desires. And so as we wrap up kind of like this one year birthday celebration of how far we've come, I just want to say we are two people creating something together. And I am so grateful for you. Uh, this is the last clip that we are going to take from Kat and Kate, but Madi, on behalf of We're Going There and our entire podcast audience, I just want to say that I appreciate you and I'm grateful for us being able to create some beautiful noise together. Okay, so Kat, Sexless in the City, love the title. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, this was, gosh, this was four years ago now. I think it was four years ago. We were at a conference in New York City together mm-hmm. and you were on a panel and you were talking about the sexual need and desire of women. So so I grew up in purity culture, church mm-hmm. kid, all of us did. This is why I feel like, okay, what better people to have this conversation with? So we've been told, you know, and a lot of the teaching has been biblical and great, but a lot of it has sucked yeah. and there's so much baggage. And so, you know, you could wait for the one and believe that you're, you know, your Rebecca and Isaac moment is going to happen. Your Adam and Eve moment is going to happen. But for those that are wishing, hoping, waiting and praying, and it still hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about like, so you clearly made a decision that you were going to abstain from sexual activity until marriage. Mm-hmm. One, you are a unicorn Two. What do you do when your sexual drive and urges increase? Because as we get older, then this is a misnomer, mm-hmm. you know, men start with a high sex drive and then it decreases over age. Women peak, their sex drive peaks between mm-hmm. 40 and 47 years old. So mm-hmm. as our sex drive is increasing, what do you do without an outlet to express this desire and mm-hmm. sexual urges? Yeah. Oh man, this is so good. And I, I feel like, it's, it's such a huge nuanced conversation, but I think just, first of all, it's problematic when we put pressure on one thing to fulfill all of a desire, whether it's how many women it's like, what do we really think underneath the surface? We think getting married is going to solve a problem for us. We think our, our future husband or our future spouse is going to cure that eating disorder, cure my financial woes. Like all these, we put all this pressure on one person that that one person was never Mm -hmm. 
created or designed to be our, our be all end all. And then I think we do the same thing with sexual desire. I think that there's a huge difference between sexual desire and desire for sex. But I think we learn from culture and in the church, actually, that the only way we express our sexuality and desire is through sex and orgasms. Mm. And so if you're in culture, good news. If it scratches, itch it. If you're hungry, feed it. Do what feels good, right? But if you're in the church and you're taught, all right, you know, God's way, scripture way is to flee from sex outside of marriage, then that's really bad news, right? It's like, so I'm in my sexual prime mm. and I, what do I, what do I do with these urges? I think it, to me, I think if sexuality were a book that sex and orgasms and physical intimacy would be one chapter mm, mm-hmm. and so much is able to like settle and release when we expand our vision on sexual desire. Sexual desire is just the desire that every single human has that gets us, that compels us to get outside of ourselves and into relationship with others. Mm-hmm. So does that mean physical intimacy and body parts touching? Yeah, sure. But it also can mean so much more. I think a huge way that I love embracing my sexual desires as a single person, I'll give you two examples is one is I think sex is the ultimate form of collaboration with another person that has the opportunity to bring new life into the world. And so when I, let's take that principle as a single person, I'm feeling my feelings. I'm feeling turned on. I'm feeling aroused, whatever it is. Let me use that energy. My pastor here in New York says, have an eroticism and passion for life that leads you into relationship with other people and make new things with them. Mm. like have use that energy, that desire to create new things in the world. Like we right now are connected to our desire because we are in collaboration and relationship with each other, putting Mm. something new out there in the world, hoping for it to be a better place because of that. And so I think that's a beautiful way to connect to your desire. I think another way is the practice of being present. Like in the bedroom, you want to have a positive sexual experience. If you're thinking about that email, you have to send, right? I mean, it's like you're taken out of that moment. So how do we practice being present? Put your Mm -hmm. phone away, have people over for dinner and have everyone put their phone in a bowl at the door and have beautiful conversation, beautiful food, have good music, be connected to your senses and be in community with others. I think when we, it's almost like we're, we're, we create such a pressure cooker in the church of like, okay, so the only way, you know, the only way you can express <laughs> this is through sex. But at the same time, the church is like, don't think about sex. Don't talk about sex. Like, don't even think about thinking about having sex. And then it's like, well, then guess what? The only thing I'm going to be thinking about. Like, I think we have to reimagine sexuality and re- and make the distinction between their sexual desire and desire for sex. There's moments where I'm like, yeah, as a single person today, it'll be really nice to have sex right now. Mm. Well, first, I'm just going to acknowledge that. And then there's other times where I'm feeling desire and then I can check in and say, what is that I'm really longing for right now? Mm. Actually, I'm really lonely. Yeah. So yeah. perhaps I can go hang out with a friend or actually I'm really just feeling like I have pent up energy. Maybe I can do an awesome dance class or go do, do a fun workout. Yeah. Friends, being able to go through this journey with Bianca and helping her share the Word of God throughout the world via her podcast platform is an honor and a privilege. I want to give a huge thank you to everyone involved in making this podcast a reality, especially to Vanessa, Megan, and Chelsea who have been part of the team for the entire year. Here are their celebration wishes to Bianca.
Happy one year anniversary, Pastor Bianca, and we are going their podcast. What a great honor and privilege it is to be a part of this incredible team. We get to do this, guys. Like First Samuel fourteen seven says, Do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said, Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. And we are with you, Pastor Bianca, heart and soul. I can't wait to see what the next year brings. I'm Megan, the quiet introvert one on the team that loves checking off the graphic design to-do list. It recently occurred to me while I was creating a design for Bianca that when I was in junior high years ago, I was reading my Bible and asked God if there was a job in which I could design the Bible. As you could guess, I'm a very visual person and thought, the words in the Bible are so life-changing. How much more of an impact scriptures could be if they were well, pretty. Fast forward to a few weeks ago when I was putting together a graphic for Bianca, and I flashed back to that moment when I was sitting in Bible class wanting to make designs that encompass the Bible. It brought me to tears realizing God had heard my heart. So Bianca, thank you for being a wave maker and allowing me to ride this wave with you. Congratulations on another year in the books. Wow. Okay. I can't believe it's been a year already. B, congratulations on your podcast. We're going there. I remember when this was just a dream of yours. It was just a thought. I vividly remember us sitting down talking about what this podcast could be, how much help we needed, and where we wanted to go with this podcast. And to see it a year later and all that you've done, the lives that you've impacted, it's absolutely amazing. And I firmly believe it only it's better from here. I'm so excited. Also, here are some of Bianca's favorite people in the whole wide world joining in on the celebration. Bianca, this is mom. Congratulations on your first year as an excellent podcaster. Continue to pull these seeds from your pod. Continue to cast them out into the world. You've done an excellent job. Congratulations, Bianca. Blanche, congratulations on your one year. You're so amazing. Like, you're a G. You hold it down. You have podcasts. You have books. You're a pastor. You are jet setter. You're slim thick with the cute ass. I just love it. You're a real one. I love being a part of your family. I love that we have a family and that we're all together and that we love each other no matter what. We hold it down. Thank you for being an amazing sister, an amazing daughter, amazing mother, amazing wife. You're a real one. Real one. You inspire so many people, including myself, to be better human beings through Jesus. I love you. Bieber-san in the building. B, when I think of you and your podcast, I think of the time when we were in Texas and you asked me to be on your podcast. I was unprepared. It was out of left field and I remember you kept getting so irritated at me because I kept trying to use like my late night talk show radio host voice. And I kept trying to tell these jokes that were like not funny. And we had to do it over and over and over. And we ended up just laughing and cracking up. And I'm just so proud of you, B. You are amazing and you're changing lives day in and day out. Keep up the good work, girl. I love you so much. Hi, Bianca. Congratulations on year one. 
of your podcast. God has brought you so far and you're like basically killing the game and everybody loves you and you're amazing. And I'm just happy that podcast listeners get to experience the version of Bianca we know and love. Felicidades. Wow. Bianca, has it been one year? Amazing. I cannot believe it. Listen, kudos, congratulations on your one-year anniversary of your podcast. I must tell you, it is informative, is witty, and is timely, and is relevant. The Lord bless you. May the Lord give you one more year, more years to come. May the Lord keep you, watch over you. Hey, tell all your seven listeners that I'm with them, all right? Love you. Hi, Bianca. This is Matt and Parker, and we are here just to wish you a happy one-year anniversary for your podcast and how amazing it's done. And so, anything you want to say? Well, I have an episode coming out. I think it's going to get more likes than you. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you want to say? Number one, number two. What am I? I don't know. Number one, number two. I don't know. But happy one year for your podcast, B. Love you. And... A huge thank you to all of you, the listeners, for helping us keep going. We wouldn't have come this far without all of you. Would you do me a favor and tag at Bianca Altoff and wish her a happy one-year podcast birthday. We will be back in November for season four. Until then, friends, 